Shalom and welcome to A Voice Calling in the Wilderness, a trumpet call, a voice crying out loud for God to those that would hear so that they would run to him, that they might be warned. We are here sounding the alarm that our time here on earth is short and that we have no time to waste. Here we will expose the truth, teach the word, discuss the dangers, lies, and enemies we are surrounded by, and how to engage in the war that we are standing in the middle of. Today we're talking with Brian, Aiden, and Grant about current events and what the Bible says about them. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. How's it going? Thank you, Grant. <laughs> That's always an awkward moment. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody just talks at once. Nobody <laughs> knows exactly what to say. <laughs> So, gentlemen, we, we spoke a little bit before the show, and we were kind of talking about some generational gaps between all of us and what we have experienced in our lifetimes. And I guess I'm the grandpa of this particular show, and, and you know, I was born in the 60s, and uh, I grew up in a time before microwaves and cell phones, and I've seen the world change from one where, as a child, you go out and explore the world. Do you see the physical world around you? you experience this great gift that God gave us with the animals and the flowers and the bees and just that imaginative exploration of the physical world around us. And having raised five children, I've seen that over time change. And now it seems that kids spend more of their time in front of a screen and really have no connection to what God's created for them other than this little box in front of them. Um, I'm curious, um, Aiden, you're probably the youngest guy on this here panel. What is your experience in your lifetime? Have you seen kids that still go out and experience this stuff that God created, or are they really focused on this imaginary world? It's, well, we were talking before, I I see a difference in be- even between me and my younger brother. I mean, I remember being little, like, before iPads and iPhones and stuff were out, We'd go out and, you know, make up games, have an imagination. But now I look to my younger brother. Uh, My youngest brother is actually seven, turning eight soon. And he's just constantly in his iPad, constantly in the computer. And it's sad because it's not challenging him to think of new things or be imaginative because everything's right there. It's And I think that's the biggest problem with it is it's making it too easy. It's so easy to just sit and watch a video because you don't have to think about anything. You're just sitting there watching it. And it's like there's no, I mean, I know there's there's studies on how psychologically it's hurting the development of children. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the exact statistics, but I know there, there are many studies talking about how, you know, being in the iPad all the time, being around the computers, not going out and doing stuff is literally stunting the growth and learning of kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've seen a lot of those same studies myself. Grant, I know that you're you're kind of the next in line as our ages go here, and I'm curious, uh, you're about 10 years or so older than Aiden. Do you see a change in how people interact with each other? Because I think this technology has just stripped us of our ability to connect with our peers and to form relationships. Yeah, well, I think my generation, uh, or at least my class, are within a couple of years of graduating high school. My generation saw the traditional ways of doing things when it came to like writing out 
essays and stuff like that. And it was like a couple of years later, I started hearing how people started using text language in, in mm. their, their school work and stuff like that. And I'm like, how do they get away with that? All they're doing is shorthand and stuff like that, you know, and you might be able to understand it, but it's not a real technically proficient way of communicating. You know, it's not proper education. It's just what they've learned on the street type thing. And that may get them through life in some form or fashion, but there's definitely a disconnect. Somewhere in the mid-2000s, we made some sort of transition from a traditional way of learning and experiencing the world to this digital age where everything is just rapidly changed. And now we're so far away from where we were. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not impossible for people to go back. You know, I know families who they don't allow their kids to be on the iPad more than like, you know, half an hour a day or something like that. They let them experience it so that they're not out of touch with what's yeah. going on, but they don't let that be a major part of their life. Yeah, I think there was a pretty huge mistake made in our world a few years ago when parents let this digital babysitter take over. That even happened in the 90s with TV and stuff. Right. right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm saying it's been a while, but I think that when we let the digital babysitter take over, then we started to rapidly lose the connectivity that my generation had where we actually had to go out and play with kids and have an imagination. Mm -hmm. You know, we played army and Indians and cowboys and, you know, we played games and made up stuff in our head, mm -hmm. but we were connecting with eight or 10 other kids at a time. Yep. And now the closest thing to that is a lot of these kids are connecting with somebody from New Zealand or France through their computer in a game. Mm-hmm. Never seeing that person, never you know, really been in or, that circle, right? And that goes back to just what you were saying, just making it, it's it's too easy now. You know, it's too easy to do that stuff. There's no challenge. There's no imagination. And I think it's, it's really bad for the cognitive development. Like mm, there's absolutely. a reason mm. that we did those things as a kid because cognitive development gets us that way. Absolutely. And I think it has a major impact on emotional intelligence. A hundred percent. Across the board. Mm -hmm. Brian, do you have a comment on any of this? I know that you and I are probably in the same generation. We're both we Gen are. Xers mm -hmm. and these guys are millennials. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah only not... because they changed the rules. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Look, how quickly he, look how quickly he jumped on that. <laughs> now, wait a second. Are you saying millennials don't want to be millennials? Uh, the older generation of millennials don't. We weren't originally, and then somewhere along the line, they, they just changed, changed it. it. Changed I don't it even know what it like that is anymore. And it starts with my year. It starts with 1985, I uh, Does it really? Well, I think it's interesting just because if you look around the world right now, how divided we are. Mm. Yeah. You would almost think that a couple of Gen Xers couldn't sit in a room with some millennials and have a good conversation. I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, of a great equalizer, right? That That definitely will bridge the gap of the generations. Yeah. And that that's our faith. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're all here because we all believe at least in one thing the same. And so it bridges that gap. And Brian, what were you going to say now? I, I don't even remember at this <laughs> point. <laughs> um, one of the things I could go back to with what you were talking about is uh, showing up, everybody would come over to our house, you know, to hang out. Mm -hmm. And, you you know, you'd have everybody come over and you don't see that as much anymore. Uh, you know, I mean, we're trying to interact that at our place now again. Mm -hmm. But there was quite a long time there where we just, it was, it felt weird. Like, we're, you know, 
after we moved here to Florida, it's like, why doesn't anybody just come over and hang out anymore? Mm, I remember right. back in my earlier days, before really cell phones started really picking up, some people had them, some people don't, but everybody would just come over and hang out at the house. They wouldn't even call before or text. They oh, would yeah. just ring the doorbell and, oh yeah, come on in, you know? And before you know it, we had a few others come over and, you know, it was that social interaction, I think is something that is very much needed, you know, and that's something we're very much lacking with a lot of the social media platforms and a lot of the stuff that's going on in this day and age, you know, because yeah. you learn how to react with people a little bit more, you know, right. there's that. And the world, there was even a change before our, my generation. My dad tells me that he remembers when they moved from the front porch to the back porch, <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, because in his generation, the parents would sit on the front porch and watch all the kids play in the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was just the way things were. And then he said he remembers the transition from the front porch to the back porch because for some reason, suddenly you didn't want anybody knowing what you were doing. Yeah. And that's when they put up privacy fences and and they closed themselves off from the world. And we've just continued down that road for the last 50 years. Yeah. This isolation. Well, everybody can hide behind their screen now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's even yeah. more so now. I want to go back to what you were saying about, you know, nobody coming over or, you know, people having... I've noticed that in my own family, like I remember growing up, we would always have big family gatherings and like, you know, you know, the grandma or whatever would, would throw it together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, once those people pass away in the family, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen anymore. And oh. I think it's because that generation was the ones that did it. And now it's left up to us and nobody wants to do anything. Yeah. I'm still a little bit on the lucky side because I still have aunts and uncles that are in their late seventies and early eighties. So there's still that drive to yeah. do that. But we used to have Sunday dinner at grandma's mm-hmm. every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And you know, there would be fried chicken, mashed potatoes every Sunday. And, um, I don't know that anybody in the family does that anymore, but we also used to have, you know, Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas dinner and, you know, 4th of July. And there'd probably be, there was Easter dinner. And I mean, there was, Five, six times a year, the whole family would get together. Yeah, and and you know, I have relatives that lived out of state, and they didn't all come every meal. But you you guaranteed Thanksgiving, Christmas, there were people coming from California and Colorado and Kansas City, all over the place. It was important to have that gathering to Mm -hmm. come back together, so you could reconnect Mm -hmm. and rebuild those familial bonds. Yeah. And then unity. You took it away with you, right? And and you took something with you back to your communities when you did that. Mm-hmm. Today, with the world we live in, we are so divided. Families are divided. We have so many reasons to be divided, whether it be, oh, there's just so many you could name. But I mean, if whether it's the generational gap, whether it's this argument over uh, sexuality, uh, mm-hmm. identification of gender, I mean... Don't get me started on that one. How can we even have a conversation about something so simple? Yeah. Um, It seems like there's this huge push to get a race war going. Um, Politics, I mean, mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine. I mean, everything's a division now. Mm -hmm. And it seems like it's harder than ever for families even to come together in agreement and, and have those type of bonds that I grew up with. I've got friends now that that siblings don't speak to each other. Parents don't speak to their children because of these different divisional type topics. And to me, it's part of what's tearing this nation apart and it's causing problems all across the world. You can see it in France, England, Spain, 
New Zealand, Australia, all of them are having similar problems. Yeah. Well, this is a decades-long, or you could even say a century-long attack on the family. Mm. This is the mm-hmm. result of that. We've slowly, over that time, gone further and further away from what traditional family values are, but we've seen a huge increase on the results of that in the mm. last, like, two decades. I mean, we can equate it to the Frankfurt School. We can equate it to social Marxism, whatever we want to blame. They're all just cogs in the general big yep. wheel of Satan's attack on the family, because if he can break down the family, he's breaking down one of God's first institutions. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the reasons that I thought it was important for us to do a show on current events and or kind of what's going on in the world and then where we can find information on that in the Bible is exactly what you're talking about, Grant. And here's the thing that I have noticed. There's either great cognitive dissonance where people don't want or don't want to understand or don't know, purposely ignore the world around them, or there's great normalcy bias. Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable with things in my life the way they are. Please don't break that. Regardless of what the truth is, don't break it. Or there's just been a, a really good job of hiding the truth. You brought up something that I think is, is kind of important, and maybe you can expand on it a little bit, is that the Franklin School. Oh, I the don't Frankfurt think School? The Frankfurt School, I'm sorry. I don't think a lot of people really know what that is. Uh, yeah, I think we've had uh, Steve talk a little bit about it on our podcast before. Um, it was basically a group of people that came over from Europe in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. They came over with a goal of destroying America. And their purpose was to bring communism, or Marxism rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marxism actually is a way to get to communism, and it's an ideology as well. And what it is is they came in and they came through two paths, and I believe one path was the media and one path was education. And so they started with the universities and started training teachers in the universities so that teachers would then train their students to start believing in different ideology than what Americans believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in the media, on that side, they would use media to subtly indoctrinate people by introducing little ideas here and there over time, you know, and you can see that in in different forms of the way that, you know, they show things. And what it is, is it's so subtle, you don't realize it's happening until it's already happened. Well, it's if you're not grounded in something, you get taken with the current. Right, exactly. So if you're not aware of what is true... You're just going along with it, thinking you're still, but you're just... Exactly. So this has been going on for, uh, I think it's actually about 100 years now. Mm. Yeah, because it's 1930s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. about when it was. So 90 years now. Yeah, yeah, so it's been going on for a long time. And basically, we're seeing the end culmination of that. And so now, when you look at universities and you look at now even elementary school, yeah. you've got teachers who are so indoctrinated, they believe it like they would die for it, mm-hmm. that they're going to teach their children in their classrooms the worst of the worst from our perspective but from them, it's like, this is the way it's got to be. It's just my job. I'm helping these kids. And because right, that's yeah. how they brainwash them is you're helping these kids. You're doing a good thing. And what, what's being taught is cultural Marxism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I think, Aiden, you've experienced it as, you know, you're studying, oh, studying yeah. for psychology. You've, yeah, I'm going you've to had his... to deal with critical race theory being taught to you. As you a know, fact and, and not that, an opinion. That's, that's a form of cultural yeah. Marxism. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. So this was actually way more insidious than people understand because when they came in, they didn't teach Marxism. What they did was, is they started attacking the norms of our society mm -hmm. and talking about how they were wrong. Questioning they never them, yeah. pushed their agenda. They just started to break down what was normal in our society first. Right, so when exactly. you demonize what the status quo is, then what happened was, is we ended up with what we called post-millennialism, which is the complete destruction of our, our society as it was, because it's total, all of it's broken and it needs to be torn down and replaced. Mm -hmm. And then there, there's a really good author out there that has a book called The Post-Truth Society. And, and that's where we move to next, where mm -hmm. the truth was what I wanted it to be. It wasn't necessarily truth with a capital T. It was truth with a small t, mm -hmm. my truth. Right. And, and you can see that in the world that we live in today is just rampant in our society. Everybody can have their own truth. I mean, this is how we get to this gender discussion. You know, there's what is seventy two genders now that they I don't claim even or pay something. attention. I don't. I don't give yeah. that thought the time of day. To yeah, be I know. But the thing is, is I'm a psychologist. You're going to school yep. to be a psychologist, so you have to understand that where this comes from is all the way back to the beginning with this uh, act that Adam and Eve did, where I can be my own god. I can make my own determination. Mm -hmm. And so all these people are doing is acting out that very first sin. Right, right. We haven't well, changed in all those years. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, it starts with Satan deceiving and how does he deceive? He questions the word of God. So you see that now they're questioning everything. Mm. Oh, they're yeah. questioning gender. They're questioning all this stuff. And that's just Satan questioning what God created. I mean, it's it's crazy just even like, the Christians now that question creation, that don't even believe in creation anymore because people around them have just questioned it so much that they just start going along with the lie that God didn't create the universe. You know, maybe, maybe there was a big bang and like, mm -hmm. I believe in God, but yeah, you're, you're adding things to God's word. And part of the problem that stems from there is many of those people are actually taught erroneous mm -hmm. doctrine and beliefs like, oh, well, both can coexist. You can have God's creation and evolution. At the end of the day, that's like, that's your, first of all, you're not serving the Jesus of the Bible. It's right. like you're going through a buffet line and you're just taking what you want to hear mm -hmm. and you're leaving right. the stuff that you don't want to hear. That's exactly what the Bible says will happen at end mm -hmm. times, though. People will not tolerate sound doctrine, but they will want things that tickle their ears, mm -hmm. you know, and that's Absolutely. that's exactly what's going on That right was now. the problem with the Corinthian church. Right. That's why Paul right. had to write the second letter was because... They were getting all these rock star pastors in that were making them feel good and all this stuff. And Paul had to come in and was like, listen, I literally told you the truth. Like, like I told you what was true, even if mm -hmm. when you didn't like it. Right, right. <laughs> no, I, I would agree. So I pulled a bunch of headlines. If you want to jump in and try to answer when you can, but I don't really expect an answer on this because we're going to jump forward after this. But I want the listeners to think about these questions. Did you ever think you would see a mother that would be willing to drown her own children? We've had that happen in the news. Did you ever think that you would see a man kill innocent people, cut their bodies up, and eat their bodies? Do you ever think you would see a dad or a mother sell their seven-year-old child for sex so they can get high? Do you ever think you would see a man kill his pregnant girlfriend? Do you ever think... A man would rape his own child at the age of one. 
Did you ever think you would see someone get killed while driving on the road because someone became angry the way they were driving? Road rage. Yeah. Did you ever think you would see someone walk into a school and begin to shoot our children? Did you ever think you would see so much sex trafficking right here in the United States that it's happening in broad daylight? Children stole from public parks, schools, Mm -hmm. churches. Mm. Did you ever think you would see a day when children could not pray in school or even may get arrested if they did so? Did you ever think you would see open Satan worship by major corporations and displayed on public television? Nike? Converse now? They have a shoe with Satan symbol on it. Converse does? Uh Uh-huh. Wow. I didn't know that. Just came out this week. Did you ever think that our children would be attacked and indoctrinated in their schools? They would be forced gender confusion, given abortion pills against their parents' wishes and told not to tell their parents that over-sexualization of children in kindergarten, drag queens in kindergarten classrooms. Mm-hmm. And in libraries. They're even uh, trying to teach porn literacy in elementary school now. Are you kidding me? Sex education to kindergartners in the state of New York. Unreal. Well, I know, like, you go to, like, a high school, like, if a girl has a headache and they go to the doctors, you know, in school, they have to call for permission and say, hey, like, can you have, you know, Tylenol? But if they go in and say, I'm pregnant and I want an abortion, they don't even tell the parents. Right. They just do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the world that we live in is not nearly as peaceful or nearly as polite as we would want it to be. And I really reached out and I wanted to focus a little bit on 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. I think that this talks to the world around us pretty well. One of the first statements in here is that in the last days, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. So that one by itself, mm-hmm. we seem to be more concerned about how we look on our outside in this world rather than how we look on the inside, what our hearts are. We all know as uh, followers of Jesus Christ that he is after our heart. What do our hearts look like right now? Everything that we do is commercialized to the absolute limit. We have shows that are about me, me, me. We have commercials. A commercial about moving into a new house. A lady walks into a room full of me's. Everything is about me. Mm -hmm. If you walked down the street 50 years ago, you would have seen the majority of people dressed modestly. Not today. We see men and women dressed in clothes with half of their bodies hanging out. Women walking around wearing tights as clothes that might as well just be paint on their bodies. Everything is about themselves and how sexy they can be. Television, radio, newspaper, magazines, and internet is full of advertisement trying to lure us into buying the next thing to make us feel better or look better to somebody else. Even those that profess to be Christians, why do they come to church dressed like they're going to a nightclub? We have people in our communities that are homeless and starving to death. And yet, we don't give the way we should as believers. Has Satan deceived the majority of our Christian family to thinking that it's okay to spend every penny they have on their lusts and their desires to feel better, look better, and be looked at in a way that they desire, rather than entrusting him with their money and taking care of those in their community that need us? 
Do we really love ourselves that much now? Yeah. I would say to the last part, I think he only needed to deceive a few, and those few... It spreads. Then mm-hmm. failed to spread the correct truth. Yeah. So they propagated that, and then that took hold because it's so attractive. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it feels good, it feels comfortable or whatever. And I think it wasn't that he deceived the masses as a whole, unless God sent delusion so that masses would be deceived. But I would equate that to people aren't being taught properly. People are just being given a little bit of milk on Sunday morning and, and nothing really with any meat well, or foundation. Yeah, I think it's too much about the people and not about what the people need to hear. Right. So in Revelation, the seven letters that Jesus mm-hmm. does, if you take that as the church history over 2,000 years, the last one is the Church of Laodicea, which a lot of people believe that we're in. And Laodicea literally means rule of the people. And he talks about, you know, how they're being lukewarm. You need to choose me. You know, you need to not pick what you want. And then he's talking about the church, you know, mm-hmm. and we see that nowadays. I mean, you see these mega churches where it's like, oh, how good can I feel when I go in? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how can I feel all warm and fuzzy when I go in because worship and the lights make me feel this certain way? You know, and at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about, you know, doing what we need to do for the kingdom. Yeah. You know, that's like when people, um, so I'm worshiping tech. Um, that's what I do for a living. And I've had people come up to me and be like, oh, I didn't like that worship song. Or I didn't like that. I'm like, cool. Like, it's not about you. Like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> like, I really don't care what you want. You know, we're doing this for the Lord and we're doing this, you know, right. to further the kingdom. It's not. You know, because that's selfishness mm-hmm. when it's when you go and you're like, oh, I didn't like that song. Okay, well, what if somebody else got something out of it? Or, you know, God's happy because we're, you know, doing this for him. I mean, what is the purpose of worship? The purpose is to adore our God. Mm-hmm. The purpose is not to make ourselves feel better. So it's for exactly. God, not you us. Know, exactly. exactly. Well, yeah. I, I unfortunately, for my career, I've traveled the country quite a bit, and we've been in a lot of different churches. And there are so many churches across this country that have turned worship into a rock concert. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's a light show and smoke and rock band. I mean, you walk into some churches and you're like, this is a church? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are churches playing secular rock music. Yeah. I yeah. know churches Honk. that start with a secular song. They'll open with a secular song. And that's crazy to me. See, wow. to me, that has gone too far. Yeah. I mean, there is the argument of relevancy that the church yeah, needs yes. to have some mm-hmm. relevance to reach the unsaved, the culture of that day. But that needs to be a small part to maybe it's an attract additive. somebody, but it's not the majority by a long yeah. stretch. This is my philosophy on it. So obviously when that becomes the focus, that's when it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong to do some of those things, but when it becomes the focus, it is. So when they were building the temple in the Old Testament, God was like, all right, you don't have to build this temple, but if you do, everything has to literally be dipped in gold because you're representing me Mm -hmm. to unbelievers. Mm -hmm. So I take that philosophy to production and worship because I've had people on the other extreme is like, oh, you shouldn't even have a sound equipment. Like you shouldn't have anything. And I was like, okay, well don't go, yeah, don't go that far. Like, you know, we don't want to be weird about it. I think I love David's sermon on offense. Yeah, exactly. We we actually did a podcast show on that where he talked a little bit about Mm -hmm. people being upset when they first brought drums into Mm -hmm. into the band. Yeah. 
But it's like we're at the end of the day, we're representing God. So I want to give God the best of my ability. Yeah. And sometimes, here. you know, it's using that stuff. But when it becomes the focus, that's when it's wrong. Mm-hmm. It goes back to what we've said over and over here is that it's about our hearts, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where's our heart in everything that we're doing? Yep. If your focus, if your heart is in the world when you're doing this, mm-hmm. it's not giving glory to God. 100%. It's not, it's not giving praise to God. <laughs> you could probably sing a lot of songs out there that are secular if the heart is right. Mm-hmm. And you're right. There are people on the left side of the ditch, and I say left, one side of the ditch, that is, well, you can't have anything secular to anything touch church. You know, you got to be completely separate from the world and all these things. And, and you shouldn't be using electric instruments or lights and colored light. Oh, everything just free. I mean, it's the pharisaical idea from 2,000 years ago easily. Then you got the other ones that want you to go in and play ACDC yeah. as you walk in. And then, you know, it's like, this... I don't feel the spirit at all. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, well, you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel something, but I think that's just... <laughs> 10,000 watts of light to my face. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, well, the fact of the matter is that technology is not inherently good or evil. Mm-hmm. And it's the way it, you use it. And some, something can the heart. Yeah, something can be good and be used poorly. Mm-hmm. All good things come from God. So if the smartphones that we have in our hands and our pockets, right? That's not a bad thing inherently, nope. but how we use it exactly. is what determines whether we should qualify that or not. Yep. Mm-hmm. So in church, it's the same way, you know. Yeah. So I take it that we're in agreement, the four of us, that it's painfully obvious that men are lovers of themselves right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. So on the checklist of going down through, these are the things that you'll see in the end times, in this verse— very first one, we're saying, yeah, check, we see that. Mm-hmm. Rampantly. Rampantly. So the second one on this list would be covetous. Well, we surely live in a covetous age, in my opinion. Oh, my. People yes. clamor for the latest, what's the latest iPhone? Uh-huh. Does anybody know? Uh, I mean, the 13 coming out we were just talking some, about? this fall? I don't even know. Some, I'm like so behind. I'm just like. <laughs> but that's just the thing. We, I know people that they have a phone. If they've had it a year, the newest one comes out, they got to go trade it yep. in. Right. I know people like that. They and have I'm like, to have the newest everything. Me? You know how much that costs? <laughs> we'll do this with automobiles too. It's just, they stay oh, standard yeah. release. Oh, yeah. I know a guy that every year that Ford comes out with a new Raptor, he's got to get a new one. It's unreal. I'm like, are you kidding me? Those aren't cheap trucks. He's just renting well, it. it <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay. so, literally. <laughs> and vanity comes with a price, right? Yeah, right. And and covetousness comes with a price, because I saw an article where there's a Dodge Ram coming out that's a hundred thousand dollars off the factory floor. Jeez, oh, no. <laughs> that's nothing I'm on like, it. I'm like, are you kidding me? I, mean, I know we were getting close, but I didn't know we were here. Yeah, I know we were. I just read this article. <laughs> it's the, uh, to me that's the most crazy thing I've ever heard. Well, our economy right now is also pushing the prices of cars up right now as well. Yeah, yeah, but wow, hundred grand for a truck, get out of town. But I mean, you Better see our kids, itself. right? Every time we get a new PlayStation or an Xbox, they got to go out and get a new one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and it's sad because they're not satisfied anymore with what they had. There you go, right? So we do the same thing that we covet after men and women, married or not. We see pastors even mm-hmm. getting caught in extramarital affairs. I think monogamy in a relationship is a rarity nowadays, it seems. Yeah. Everybody is talking about it. Matter of fact, we have television and movies that sort of promote it. 
Oh, right? yeah, 100%. I mean... I can't remember the last time I saw a secular movie that was about a married couple who'd been married for a long time. Yeah, right? I know. Or it even had that. There was always some sort of divorce or they don't get married, they just go from relationship to relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's crazy how small they're pushing the line every time to just make people comfortable with that. Like, I'll literally be scrolling on Twitter and, like, something will pop up like, whoa, like, what is that doing on my timeline, you know? Like, th- this sh- stuff shouldn't be out as open as it is. Oh, I absolutely agree. We live in a free society, so that's a hard argument to make, Yeah. Right? You're right. But morally, but it's... we, as believers, should be standing apart from it. Mm-hmm. And this, this idea of coveting after the opposite sex has got so bad... 70% of men in churches watch pornography. When I read these statistics, it blew me away. Mm-hmm. 30% of men in churches said they have looked or viewed at pornography in the last month. Jeez. Wow. In the church. These are the people that have claimed Christ. These are the people that are supposed to set themselves apart from the world. And we can't do it. So if that's the numbers in our churches, what's the numbers outside of church? Unbeliever. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Mm. I wonder. I mean, those are terrifying numbers if you think about it. What was it Steve said that uh, the internet, most of the internet, that uh, I can't remember what he said about it. It was like 40 or 50% of the internet. 40%. Right? Is it 40% that he was saying is uh, streamed by, uh, is pornography streamed? Yep. 40%. Mm-hmm. Wow. The entire internet. Entire internet. Wow. Well, I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the generation now. It's people can get stuff so easily. And so, like, I want it now, I want it now, I want it now. Mm-hmm. And they just don't get satisfied with... Yeah, there's no delayed gratification. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a foreign idea nowadays. Mm. So... You look at the the media today, it pushes, everything is pushing about chasing after worldly riches, right? You know, we have our movies, television shows, uh, even the news pushes these ideas on get rich quick or how to increase your wealth. Or you look at the advertising, it's all about one scheme or another of gaining wealth. And it's very obvious that the world around us is pushing us to get our riches here. Mm-hmm. Right, and to continually drive yourself for more, and we see that in the church with prosperity gospel in so many churches. Mm-hmm. There's a pastor in Texas that I try not to talk about because he is real bad about. Because <laughs> you love him so much, <laughs> yeah. he, he pushes us a lot. I mean, this is his whole ideal. Mm-hmm. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, you can pay him to pray for you. Yeah. Wow. They do like the prayer cloths too and stuff. <laughs> I mean, the, to me, that's just a false teacher. Yeah. And if it's the pastor, I think you're talking about his wife has blasphemed God. Mm. So I wouldn't count them as actual. No, but they are know. they are wolves inside the church. Yeah. Correct. Oh, wolves in sheep's clothing. And, and yeah. this particular verse speaks to that also. Right, mm-hmm. right. So Paul talked a lot about that in a lot of his letters. Yeah, and Paul was very clear about that happening. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing that today also, right? Again, you can see in what people are coveting just by in the dress that they wear, the clothes they wear. It seems like the girls are getting younger and younger 
with the way they dress to show off their bodies. Well, it's being pushed. Our culture is trying to push that agenda now. They're trying to make it more apparent in the media. They're trying to normalize pedophilia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, weren't they passing laws or something out west? Yeah, there's some things that have been going on, and and it's pretty scary, you know. Because it's all this love is love thing. Well, if love is love, and Well, yeah, so (laughs) there's a, a new term that they're trying to get normalized. It's called MAP. And instead of it being called pedophilia, they want to call it MAP, which is it's a mature person that is attracted to children. And they're trying oh, no. to get it labeled in a new way they need to a take map. the stigma oh, the yeah. crazy off right. of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, again, it's the world pushing a coveted idea that you want what you want and you're going to get it no matter what. You'll change the rules, bend the rules, rename it mm-hmm. just to get your desires. Because yeah. well, it's, it's all about, you know, instant gratification, loving yourself. I mean, I, I know taking my psychology classes and I, I took a intro to psych and then I also took a social problems class and they would talk about all these problems in the world and they, you know, they didn't have a solution mm-hmm. for them. And the whole time I'm thinking like the number one problem is selfishness. If people weren't selfish, these problems wouldn't be happening. Yep. That does seem to be the root of a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. of uh, problems with in mm-hmm. society, with our interpersonal relationships. Even in marriages, that's the number one problem, in my opinion. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. you're not able to see, you're not able to just give something up for your partner. Yeah, 100%. And that's what love is, is a choice. It's not just all emotion. Right. Well, right. That's, that's essentially the original sin is, mm-hmm. is turning into self instead of facing God. Because right. if right. I went off how I felt all the time, <laughs> that would not be good. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but we see people do that all the time. Yeah, 100%. And matter of fact... The terrifying thing is we're seeing people do that that we've elected to public office. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh, my word, yeah. I mean, you... They do something one day and do something different the next. You look at the conversations and you look at C-SPAN or you see some of the media interviews with the folks in D.C. And sometimes I'm just like, when did we start electing the crazy people to office? (laughs) No doubt. For well, sure. It's Romans 1, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's an actual doctrinal um, perspective for this, and that's that the way God comes to us and works through us is that he comes through our intellect, mm-hmm. and we choose from reasoning with God to follow his will, and then our emotional response afterwards is a result. Mm-hmm. And Satan's yeah. MO is to do pretty much the, the exact opposite. opposite. And he mm-hmm. comes through how, your emotions, you first? make emotions. your choices from do your that. emotions, and then worry about thinking what it was afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it's totally backwards. Absolutely yep. right. Yeah. Because yep. if that's the way it worked, Christ would have never died for us. Right, right. He didn't I'm sure he said, didn't mm, no, like I, us the, I don't all, think all that's the time. going to be worth it. <laughs> well, he, he loved us, but if, if, he, if he had his emotional way, he exactly, would not have gone through it. He exactly. asked the Father if there was any other way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and he still chose, and that's what love is. Exactly. Absolutely. So I would say that on point two, covetous, we would agree. <laughs> yes. Again, yes. This is running rampant. Mm-hmm. So the next one on this list is boasters and proud. Mm. I'm sure we don't have that going on, do we? Oh, no, not, not that I've all. seen. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> Isn't there a whole movement called Pride? Oh, wait a <laughs> yeah. minute. Wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Man. 
Maybe you're right. <laughs> what month was that? Month of June, right? Was well, <laughs> June or yeah. October? I mean, it seems like it changes every year. It was it like does. October last year. This year was June. It's going to be the oh, whole year. Oh, they're trying to push it like all year long. Yeah. Oh, my word. But you're right. So pride is the currency of the day, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Because everything that somebody does now that is in the spotlight, that is of an approved status this is important too, then that becomes a moment of pride. Interesting thing happened this week. Well, actually, there's a lot of interesting things that happen every week. But one that I found most interesting and seemed to become a divisive thing amongst people, and I didn't understand why. Well, the Olympics were going on. Mm-hmm. We had a young lady that is a gymnast, very good gymnast, maybe the best gymnast of all time. She... Started the Olympics out, something happened, had a poor outcome in her first event, and went off and decided that she could not continue. Suddenly, you have two people in two camps. One, you have the media that has just lauded her as a hero and brave and all these things. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I'm not sure how you get that out of this, but I'll listen for a second to see what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And the other side started villainizing her. Mm-hmm. She was a quitter. She hurt her team. She was thinking about herself. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, but wait a minute. You have no clue what's going on. Exactly. You don't mm-hmm. know her situation. Yeah. So I said, so let's stop a second and think about this. And as a psychologist, maybe it's easier for me to do this, but mm-hmm. I'm going, maybe she really had a moment that she needed a mental break. There was something going on in her life or something mentally just wasn't right at that time. And we have a mental health crisis Mm. in our country. Yeah. And people don't really understand that. I saw some numbers that 35%, 37% of the population is now on some form of mood stabilizer. Antidepressant, yeah. Oh, yeah. Over 30% of our nation is on mood stabilizers. That should be pretty frightening. It's the number one prescribed drug. So we don't know what was going on with this lady. What we do know is, is she recognized she had a problem and that she shouldn't or couldn't continue. Mm-hmm. Right. We should say, okay, I accept that. Yep. And move on. I hope that you fix whatever the problem mm-hmm. is, right? Yeah. Right. And be done with it. And be done with it. We don't need to contemn her for it. 100%. But at the same time, she's not a hero. She's not brave. She may be smart in what she did, but she's not somebody that we need to lift up on a pedestal and start worshiping. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a segment of our society that wants to worship everybody they can. Well, that and she also fit the profile the day she's black and she's a female. Well, that's true. And there is a definite push to elevate some segments of our society over others as a retributive stance. But honestly, I I never saw a picture of her until two days in. Mm -hmm. All I heard was, you know, what happened. And I'm like, well, okay, she quit because she needed to get her head right. Yep. That's how I was. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. But then I heard this media and I'm going, okay, there's something about this that's different. Because I remember Carrie Strug. (laughs) That's what I was about to bring up. (laughs) If you want to talk bravery. Okay, there's there's Mm -hmm. a brave person. Did she actually have a broken leg or was it just? I think uh, it was her ankle. Yeah, I thought it was her ankle. ankle? And she still still landed it and got all She got clubbed. I mean, come on. Was that in the 80s? That's what you call brave. But even that, there seems to be a, a segment of our society that wants to lift people up. You know, if a football player, an NFL football player come out as homosexual. Mm-hmm. 
he was lauded as a hero and brave and all these things. And I'm going, well, how's that brave? <laughs> yeah, what if I come what's, out as what's heterosexual? Heroic, what's heroic about that? Movie stars, pop singers, all of them, they treat them all this way now when they fit a certain social justice narrative. Mm-hmm. Then we're into this just insane level of pride and boastfulness for our bravery. And, and I'm sitting there going, okay, so I've watched men bleed on the battlefield. I've seen brave. Mm-hmm. I've seen heroes. I personally know a lot of these people that have sacrificed everything. I know men and women who've died in the service of their nation. I've watched them write that check for up to in full of their life. Those are heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, I watch people die that went over to another country to save them from totalitarianism and help them become free. That's a hero. That's bravery. Mm-hmm. LeBron James is not brave for kneeling during the national anthem. Yeah. You know, I saw a meme, and not to call him out or anything, but you brought his name up. I saw a meme of Nolan Ryan uh, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. He was beamed in the face with a with yep. a baseball, mm-hmm. bleeding. Busted two teeth off. Yeah, yeah. and he was still going. pitching. Yep. And then right underneath that is LeBron James being carried off the court by like five guys. With a cramp. Because he, yeah, because he had yep. a hamstring cramp or yep. something. Yep. And you know, another difference between, you know, real very people and those people is, you know, when you're talking about people getting injured and stuff in the war, they're always quiet about it. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about it. They don't, they don't bring it to attention. These people like LeBron James and all these other stuff, it seems like they're always talking about it. They're always bringing it up. They're always the loudest ones. That's because they know what they did. Exactly. Yep. Well, so, boasters and proud. Think we checked that box too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not looking good. <laughs> we might be in the end times, fellas. <laughs> According to uh Well, to we've Paul, been in the end times, the end times since for Jesus. Years. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I meant the end end times. It could be. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are happening. There's still a few things mm-hmm. that need to happen if yeah. we are, you know. But, but I think we're close. We're, we're getting closer and closer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the reason for a show like we're doing today is I honestly believe that it's important for people to understand what's going on around them. Yeah. And not just walk around with a set of blinders on. Well, it's... I, I, too many people don't want to hear the truth, but you have to be informed. If you're uninformed, you will be defeated by this enemy. Mm-hmm. The Bible makes it very clear to be informed. And it's the same reason why people missed it the first time Jesus came, because they didn't know. And yeah. I hear, you know, a lot of pastors and stuff say, oh, you don't need to worry about it. Like, it'll just all pan out in the end, blah, blah, blah. But when the disciples asked Jesus what the end times are going to be like, he didn't say, oh, it'll pan out in the end. Don't worry about it. No, he went into detail and told them exactly what was going to happen. Right. And that's why it's so important for us to know so we don't miss it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. I get so nervous because I have family members who are like, I don't watch the news. I just don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you have children. Do you not understand what they're doing to your children? Mm-hmm. And they don't know because they you, don't see what's happening. You're supposed to protect your children. That's your number one job as a parent. Mm-hmm. And you can't protect them from something you don't know. Yep. It's hard for me to sit and listen to that. <laughs> so the next one on this list is blasphemers. Mm. I don't know. Does it seem like it's almost a requirement in movies now to take the Lord's name in vain? Mm. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't have a movie that they don't do that. Yeah. 
it's such like that's like a lot of comedic stuff is that's a punchline. Mm-hmm. I would say the bigger issue there would be the blaspheming in the church. Mm. Yeah, that too. Because at the end of the day, those are the people representing God. Well, right. look at the churches that resist the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. How many churches deny the gifts of the Spirit? Right. Mm. The Bible makes it very clear that it's there, <laughs> and we feel it. And you know, in the secular world, we'll call it. I guess the, there's so much doubt on God's intent mm-hmm. of being good. Right. Well, if God was so good, then why does He let the tsunami happen? Or well, oh, they blame God for everything. Yeah, I mean, God gets the blame for a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But he don't get the they credit. never give any credit for what he's given us. Yeah, that's been an argument for a long time. You know, how can God be so good if he lets all these bad things happen? Oh, yeah, I've heard that a lot. But it's, I mean, that's us. We caused that. Yeah, well, there is clear ways to explain that to people. Yeah. But those apologetics are not being taught for the most part these days. You know, all over the world we see, you know, Bibles that are collected and burned. Even in Canada, we've 75. Five churches now have been burnt to the ground. Mm-hmm. There's a direct attack mm-hmm. on the faith. There's a direct attack on God. And we open worship you know, of the devil now is just everywhere. Yep. Been uh, 45 churches now. Is it Canada. 45? Wow. Mm-hmm. I knew it was a five. Sorry, it's 75, 45. You're good. Thanks for fixing me there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wasn't Canada the ones that wanted to separate themselves from us to be more of a religious? Yeah. Uh, yeah, wasn't it? Now they're... Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I will say that I think the, what I read was is this uh, specific group of people that are burning the churches. And if I remember right, they're associated with native tribes. They'd like to burn all the churches in Canada. Wow. Yeah, I would say that's another way that the devil's using people and their misunderstanding of history. Yes, we did a lot of terrible things to mm-hmm. to Native Americans, but that for them to have forgotten the entire history of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now they just take that and they appropriate it and have anger that's almost unjustified. Yeah, but we see in music and television shows and movies just outright satanic imagery or satanic worship um, and blasphemous material all throughout the movies. You know, especially like with horror movies and stuff. I mean, it's almost cultish. Yeah. It's becoming the new norm too. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the idea behind it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's all the, you know, people feel good when they rebel. So rebelling against God is... I don't think that ever went away. I think that's always been a part. It's just now is one of those times where it's crescendoing into... Mm -hmm openness. You know, there were times in history where it was open, the days of Noah, the days of Lot, you know, those times it was all open. And then God closed those doors and, you know, allowed for different times to come about. But now we're seeing in our world that opening up and coming to a head again. Yeah. Well, as it says, as in the days of Noah, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or in the days of America. <laughs> so we definitely agree that there's a lot of blasphemous material and and a blasphemous spirit in our world today. So the next one on our list would be disobedience to parents. Mm. I tell you what, well, before we got locked down, <laughs> you could walk through the grocery store and you could see kids cussing at their parents, yeah. at their mothers, screaming at them, hitting them. You can go to YouTube and look at I don't know, was it people at Walmart or something? <laughs> you could see all kinds of just craziness how kids treat their parents mm-hmm. in public. Mm-hmm. 
You know, that's a, I believe, an attack from Satan on life. Satan hates life. Mm-hmm. And what is in the Ten Commandments? It's the only commandment with a promise that says, if you honor your mother and father, you will have a long life. Mm-hmm. And so they are essentially calling curses on themselves. And the parents are allowing their children to call curses on themselves by not disciplining their kids to teach them how to honor the parents. And then, mm-hmm. and then they don't honor God. Right. right, because well, of that, yeah. because of the order. I mean, of... it's a framework to train children on how to honor God. Right, but they're essentially potentially shortening their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think Satan just is happy about that because he hates life. And isn't it well, just another another round of attack on the nuclear family as well? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And you're right. In some cases, it does shorten their life. I remember when I was getting my master's degree. There's a study we did on some kids that were disciplined, were spanked by their mother. And the father agreed with it. And the kids murdered their parents in their sleep as a result. Because they didn't feel they had the right to spank them. Wow. And <laughs> That's no respect. Yeah. And it's not the first time we've heard a story like that. Yeah. There's been several cases where the kids have killed parents or, you know, retaliated against someone else. For discipline them. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that some of these school shootings aren't some of that, mm-hmm. where these kids go back and they got disciplined for behavior or, or something and they went back and took it out on took, You know, sought revenge. Yeah, sought revenge, yeah. So disobedience gets a check mark too, huh? I think so. I guess what do we expect when our society teaches our kids that there's no God? They have no idea what Christ has done for us. And they have no idea what the future is holding. So how do we expect anything different, right? Mm -hmm. So the next thing it says is is people will be unthankful. I think we spoke on this a little bit, but how many people truly thank God for the life that they have? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How how many people thank God for this world that we are given or the careers that we have, the homes, the families, the cars? I mean— Literally everything that we have is by grace and through blessing, right? Right. But how many people look at it that way? Yeah. How many people even in the church look at it that way? They do it one day a year. It's called Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Black well, Friday and, comes and, around. And yeah. that's, that's, Everybody turns an animal. We laugh at that, but that's pretty sad because... Yeah. It is. I'm amazed at how ungrateful the attitude is about our nation mm. and the freedoms that we have. Today, you would think that we were the most oppressive communist regime or some sort of socialist form of government that oppresses their people and keeps them basically locked in chains. Because if you hear people talk about this nation and its history, it is not what I know. And it goes back to what you guys were talking about, what they were taught in school, the brainwashing that they've gone through. One, how are you ever going to be thankful for something that you think is pure evil? If you think that our nation is about taking advantage of people and oppressing people, it's hard to be thankful for that. Mm -hmm. If you're taught that your parents are abusive because they want you to do chores, they want you to go to bed at 8 o'clock, they won't let you wear the clothes you want to wear because they think they're too revealing or some other disrespectful thing, then how are you going to have respect for them? Mm -hmm. How are you going to appreciate them? So that's my concern, I guess, is these kids are growing up, and when they get to be adults, 
everything they've been taught is to not be thankful for anything because everything is trash. Mm -hmm. And it starts with, you know, like you said, what they're being told, because we believe what we are told over and over again, because it builds that in our brains and we begin to believe that. Mm -hmm. And it's the, that's what these kids are doing. They're believing these things that aren't true, but to them, they're, they're true because that's what they've been told over and over and over and over again. You're telling a lie enough times. Exactly. Right. Now, but there's a, there's a psychological thing in that because mm-hmm. you're building neural pathways. It's like when you memorize something and you say a word over and over and over and over and over again. Well, and, and then, then the second half of that is in psychology, we understand that memories mm-hmm. are, are strongly associated to emotion. Mm-hmm. So if you take this lie and you tie it to a feeling, mm-hmm. You're more... then people begin to believe it as truth because it makes them feel the way they need to, mm-hmm. or they avoid it because it makes them feel sad, angry, hurt, right? So if you yeah. start tying these lies to emotion, Which become they're doing more true. Yeah. Oh, we see that, openly see that now in our media. Mm-hmm. So we definitely live in an unthankful world. That's my vote. For sure. And then our next one is unholy. We used to live in a world that, well, we used to live in a nation that most of the nation shut down on Sundays. Mm. Stores would close. People were in church everywhere and every town, it seemed. People lived more humbly. People addressed each other as sir and ma'am. We showed respect. We believed that God drove our country's creation. We believe that our founding fathers purposely put his ideas and his thoughts in our founding documents. And we celebrated with our church families. We had Sunday afternoon picnics in the park with our churches. We had ice cream socials. We were centered and focused on the Word and what Jesus had done for us. Today, it seems we run into our church service and we run out to our car as soon as the final prayer is done. Can I get something to eat, man? We're hungry. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the church I grew up in, we had dinner, uh, lunch yeah. at Potlucks. church. Yep. Yeah, that was Sunday. Fun. Those were the good old days. I mean, church, church used to be time. an all-day event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I know. I, I My kids are like, oh, it's been like oh, so long. I was like, it's been 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, we. I remember as a kid, we went to church at 8 o'clock in the morning to get home to 1. Yeah. No, it's crazy. I mean, I know the area we live in, I think the Treasure Coast is, we have a lot of churches, but we are the most unchurched area in the mm. United States. Yeah. No yeah. way. Are you serious? No, yeah. statistically, the Treasure statistically, Coast. Oh treasure Coast. And look at how many churches, churches. are just in every city color. alone. That's just because we don't have Mormons around here. We, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. But <laughs> We're in the Midwest. We do fine. But uh, but yeah, it's sad. Wow, that is people that's are just, terrible. I mean, I think that highlights... Who's at fault for all of this? And that is the church. Mm-hmm. When the church is following God and teaching correct doctrine and leading people towards Christ in a righteous and holy way, mm-hmm. creating actual disciples of people and not just giving them a product to consume, mm-hmm. being a nation that was founded on the principles of God and making an actual covenant with God at Plymouth Rock and all that. Mm-hmm. I think God took that and said, okay, 
how the church is is how this nation's going to be. And if you look at our history, our true history, not the revisionist history, <laughs> and you look at our true history, when the church was strong, the nation was strong. It is. The fact that we won the American Revolution is amazing. And it was pastors who would get up, they'd preach a sermon, and then they'd call their people to come join him, and he'd take off his robe, and then he'd be wearing a uniform and mm-hmm. go off to battle. When the church is strong, the nation was strong. And right now, the nation is probably at our weakest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would say we've got churches all over the place. We've got mega churches that broadcast online, mm-hmm. you know, to millions and millions of people. Mm-hmm. And yet, where is the power? It's a shallow seed, right? It is. Exactly. It's, it's not the deep seed. So when I was growing up, if you had somebody that come into the church that was a sinful person, they were accepted into the church. They were mm-hmm. loved. They were shown what the error of their ways were. Yeah. And they were shown how to change from that to what God had designed them for. Today, it seems that many churches just accept people into the church as they are. And there's no effort to show them how to change. Well, they don't want to offend them. How to convert. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's, I know there's churches out there that won't even get out their Bible. Mm. Like they'll, they won't, because they don't want to offend people. They think if they get out the Bible, they'll offend people and people will run away. So they just don't, they do service without the Bible, which I don't even, that's not even a service anymore. (laughs) Yeah. That's not even church. (laughs) (laughs) There's at least one mega church where I've heard a message being preached and they didn't say one scripture. That's not a message. That's just a TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> What's happened is, is these churches have turned the grace of God into a license to sin. Mm-hmm. Well, God's going to forgive me anyhow, right? And there are pastors that stand at the pulpit and say very much that same thing. So it seems that we've turned the church into a social gathering place, a theater, a concert place, rather than a holy place of worship. And I'm pretty thankful for the church that we have because I think our leadership does a grand job of making sure people understand what our purpose is here. Yep, exactly. And, you know, when we, when we come into a time of worship, we're there to focus on God mm-hmm. and to give him praise and worship for what he's done and who he is. And in some churches, that's not well known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's all based on what your foundation is. It is. And mm-hmm. I, I think our foundation is based very well, so we can add those additive things that make the service better. Mm-hmm. But some of these churches, their foundation is, you know, not what it's supposed to be. Yeah, but in many churches today, there's very little effort mm-hmm. to help people to turn away from their sin and to try to live a holy life. Mm-hmm. We don't see that in the churches as a whole today. Yeah, I was just talking uh, with someone about a church, I'm going to remain nameless, but they were talking and um, they they said, like, it didn't feel deep enough. So they were just like talking to the people and they were like, yeah, our church is just more for like just new believers. Like, we're not going to push them to do anything oh, else. Oh, I know what church you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's like, isn't that the whole point of the church is to, to make push disciples. us and to make disciples so they can go make disciples. Mm-hmm. They're stopping short. Yeah, stopping. That's, that's awesome that you're getting people in and accepting Jesus, mm-hmm. but then they think it's all sunshine is sunshine and roses after that, and that's not what it they is. They push that burden off onto another church. They say, if you want to go deeper, this is not the church for you. And I think that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, hundred percent. Well, and a lot of churches have allowed calluses to grow on the backsides of their parishioners because they don't get out 
and do any discipleship. They don't go out and seek to share what they've been taught Mm -hmm. with anybody. That does not seem to be the purpose of many, many churches. And to me, that's selfishness. I would agree. Because that's, oh, I feel good because I'm at a church worshiping Jesus and I feel good. But I'm not going to talk. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But it's like, I don't want to take the time or the effort to go out because that's too much. That'll be the difference because we can't sit here and judge in the way and say that, hey, you guys are not Christians, you know. But that would be the difference between those who march into heaven with a bunch of people behind them Mm -hmm. and those who get through by fire. Yeah. Because God talks about, you know, how there will be both those who only get through by fire and there won't be anything. And those who march in with riches and, you know, heavenly riches and all that stuff. It talks, the Bible talks about reward a lot. Exactly. Mm -hmm. A lot. Here's what I don't understand. If you're going to claim to be a Christ follower, but you're only going to do a a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. You're only going to go to church on Sunday. You're still going to get some of the harshness of the world put upon you. Yeah. You're still going to suffer some of the same condemnation that the world would put upon you if you gave it everything you had and you developed Mm -hmm. a deep relationship with God. And you got the reward here too for that, because there's a reward here for that as well. Yeah, 100%. So why would you deny yourself that reward, that joy here of having that relationship, if you're both going to get the same condemnation and the same pain and suffering here? So... I'm only going to partly do it. I want to suffer, but I'm not really going to go through all the way with it and get the joy. I don't understand that one. Yeah. I think that might have to do with where people are in their relationship with God. Some people take that step to fully trust God and they do it early. And then God can walk them through all the things that they need to walk through to grow. And then there's those who will stop short. They'll get to a wall and it'll be so painful that they sit there for a while. And can, I can see how that dynamic might play into it because the more you trust God, the more you're likely to do what God says and suffer for him. Yeah. The less you trust him, the less likely you are to do that. It's all based off the fruits. Mm-hmm. The fruits that you're showing from your life is how much you trust God. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. The less you expect, mm-hmm. the more you gain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I don't think a lot of people understand. Yeah. Well, because that's the world teaches the opposite. Because you go into a different attitude, right? Yeah. I don't expect anything because I don't deserve it. But man, have I been blessed. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> well, 100%. that's because God loves to bless his children. And when he's well pleased with his children, like mm-hmm. if you're, I mean, I'm not a father, but you are. When your kids do something great, don't you want to lavish, you know, mm. love or whatever on them? I do that even when they're not great. So, yeah, well, so does God. So does God. Yeah. Great teacher. That's all I got to say because he does that with me. Even when I wasn't great, he was yep. lavishing me. Yep. So we definitely, I think, check the box on Unholy as well. I think we're getting close to our time limit here. But some of the other things that were in this was, you know, they would be without their natural affections. I think the world of homosexuality and... All this gender confusion, I think that checks that box easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They says they would be truth breakers. That's an easy one to see in our world. Mm-hmm. False accusers. Well, oh, yeah. right now our own government saying that Christians caused the November 6th riots. Mm. We'll have to circle back on that. Oh, <laughs> I could have done all day without that. Come on, man. You know. <laughs> oh, man. It said that they would be incontinent. And... I had to look this one up because it does not mean what I thought it meant when I read it. Okay. 
Hey, what it means in the Bible is unbridled and uncontrollable. Well, mm. oh, interesting. come on, mm. let's talk about road rage or street fights, oh, burning yeah. the cities of Portland or Seattle. I mean, in are people out of control? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, that's going off what we were talking about before, going off emotion. And yeah. not people feel something and they do it right away. Right. Says that people would be fierce. I mean, we see violence and fighting in the street every day in our nation now. And, and, and I know we're talking a lot about America, but this is the world that we live in. And you could say that you see, I mean, we see the riots and fighting in France and in, in all Cuba. Over, Cuba and mm-hmm. all over the world, right? Yeah. Uh, MMA, Grand Theft Auto. I got exposed to what that was about because one of the kids that my son goes to school with is evidently talking about it at school, and, well, I told him not to talk to that kid anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's been around for quite a while, hasn't it, Yeah, too? Like, yeah, that's like a, PlayStation uh, 1, even? There yeah. used to be a time where you had to be 18 to buy that game. That's yeah. a disgusting yeah. thing, man. Now can't you get it? Like, what? Oh, anybody any can buy it online. Really? Yeah. Wow. And how about this one? Despisers of those that are good. Mm. I'm pretty sure that we see that everywhere today. Mm-hmm. You see people get made fun of all the time for doing the right thing. Yep. Well, we have CNN cut the story off when the Olympic swimmer gave the glory to God yep. for her success. Mm. Oh, quick, cut that off. We don't want and any of that. they did the same for the <laughs> Olympic shooters. And there's been multiple Olympians that gave glory to God or praise God for their success, and they will not air it. Oh. They will not allow that to be shown. You know, I don't want to, you know, step us back into... Uh... Back in the past, but I remember when uh, Mike Lindell was speaking up there with Trump, and mm-hmm. he started talking about yeah. how you know. Well, look good... how they've gone after him. Oh, oh yeah, boy, they just have tearing, tried to tear him up. If you look at world religions, and yes, there are people who follow certain things that have been persecuted locally, but if you look globally at religions, the only two in the world that are globally hated are Judaism and Christianity. Mm-hmm. And while we know that Judaism right now is not accepted their true savior, and one day they will, mm-hmm. those are the only two religions worshiping the one true God. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And they're the only ones that... And for the most part, every other religion seems to be acceptable. You may see like some isolated cases like China persecuting the Falun Gong people, but or that's Muslims, because China yeah. is anti-religion, yeah, period. They're, they're yeah. doing Muslims too, you know, so. But... The thing is, you've got a lot of these religions that are celebrated, and at the same time, those same people hate Christians right. and hate Jews. Yeah. And what does that tell you? If you were to talk well, to an unsaved person, like, you got a question, yeah. why is it that the yeah. only two... Why is there so much hatred for them? They fe- they fear God. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because they are the worshipers of the one true. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, so this verse continues on with traitors. People that are heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Mm. What can well, I get now? Oh, man. Is that not running rampant? Having a form of godliness, but denying the true power thereof. Mm. How many churches are like that right, right. Now? Yeah. <laughs> and this verse says, turn away from those people. So as we walk through this particular verse... We can nail each one of those things off that list and see that that's in this world today. And this is exactly what this verse says will be seen in the end time. Mm -hmm. So whether we're really in the end of the end time or we're just in the midst of 
you know, the beginning of birth pains or wherever we're at mm -hmm. in this timeline, we can see the word open up and come alive in the world around us. And to me, that's enough for people that they should be aware of what's going on. They should purposely stay knowledgeable of what's going on in the world around them, how Satan's trying to attack them, how he's trying to steal their hearts and minds away from God. Yeah. As we talked today, there's so many ways that he tries to fool people, right? And how to, he tries to trick you into living a life other than what God has planned for us. That selfish life, that self-serving life. Because if he can get you to do that first, mm -hmm. then it's easier to move you into these other areas next. It's just, yeah. It, it's a it's stepping stone. It's literally mind games. It's, you know, like I was saying before, the more you hear something, the more you're going to believe it. So you have to be very careful of, you know, what you're, what you're listening to and be aware. And that's, that's why, you know, you were talking about the importance of knowing what's going on, knowing both sides. Too often people just look at one side. Just look at one side. Exactly. But we can't close our ears and our eyes to the world either. Exactly. Yeah. We have to know what's going on in this world. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the Bible talks more about the time we live in now than any other time in history. Yeah, I think so. But we're there, aren't Christ we? told us to pay attention. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. said, when you see all these things, mm -hmm. look up. Mm -hmm. If you're not looking for all these things and you're just blind and you're mm -hmm. burying your head in the sand, you're going to be surprised like the thief in the night. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he's he did so many parables on it, you know, the 10 virgins and stuff like that. As those. Christians, we're supposed to be awake. And when he comes, we're supposed to be celebrating. Mm -hmm. He yeah, said absolutely. it'll come like a thief in the night for those who don't know. And I always yeah. got told that, like, growing up, I would always hear, like, yeah, we're never going to know. It could be a thousand years from now, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh -huh. And, yeah. and uh, you know, like, I've, I've had people tell me that. And they're like, oh, it'll come like a thief in the night. But then when I actually studied the Bible, it was mm -hmm. like, yeah, it'll come a thief in the night for people who don't know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for people who aren't awake. Yeah. But, I mean, he talks about the strong man. Yeah. The strong man is there to keep the thief coming in the door, right? Mm -hmm. So that means if we're standing there, we're awake, we got our lamp on, mm -hmm. we're not going to be surprised. Yeah, we will not be. Paul says, I think it's in... Uh, First, first or second Thessalonians, when he talks about, you know, we won't know the day or the hour, but we will know the generation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the generation is when Israel becomes a nation again, which makes you think. <laughs> well, I was alive for that. Yeah. <laughs> that is the general biblical consensus, but yeah. it's one of those things where we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. And that's we we don't too. know what exactly God defines as a generation. Yep. No, but yep. he does tell us to watch for the signs. He, he yes. does say there mm. will be signs of his coming. Yeah. It's in Matthew 24. Matthew 24. So it was Jesus saying that. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 I was talking about whether talking we're about in really. the generation or not. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wasn't talking about that we wouldn't know the signs. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that there are some out there that listen that will say that this has been a downer show, that they didn't want to hear all these things, but Jesus told us to be aware of the signs, to see what's happening, to not close ourselves off from the truth of the world and what's going on around us. Is it ugly? Absolutely it's ugly. But guess what? We have, as believers, we have hope. Yeah, We know that we're just passing through this place. It's all temporary. And none of this in the end, it's going to be a blip in all of eternity to us. But we need to understand where we're at so we can protect ourselves mentally and spiritually. And that we can help those around us that need lifting up and help along the way as well. That's right. Yep. So 
I appreciate you guys coming in and talking to me today. Um, I think we're going to have to do this probably more often. Yeah, yeah that'd be fun. We just need to really talk about what's going on in the world to help people understand the news of the day, I think. And maybe we'll start a new segment and we'll call it News of the Day or something. Oh, that'd be sweet. Um, <laughs> the podcast just... I've, been, I've been waiting to start. Yes. <laughs> Finally, right? It's you know, it's just, I, I think it's important for people to understand. And there's so much information out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Where do you start parsing? Because I know there was a topic you guys wanted to talk about we didn't touch today. But we will in the future. We'll yeah. talk about it. And, and I know, and it's an, it's an important one. This critical race theory, we need to talk about mm-hmm. it. We didn't touch it, I know, but... Like I said, I, I think we need to do this probably, maybe we'll try to do it once a month or something. And uh, we'll, we just need to talk about the news of the day because as I've seen, and I'm sure you guys have too, it seems like the pace in which the world changes and the major events occur is just blazing speed now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, We used to see major events every year or two or maybe three and then you know something really big would happen and... Now it's like every month, every week, it's like, what's the next crazy thing that's yeah. about to happen, right? It's one right after the I other. I mean, we went through 18 months, right, of this pandemic, and they shut the world down for a year. Yeah. And then they come out with the vaccines, and, you know, there's been all these debates about that and all these things, and now we're talking about going back into another shutdown. Oh, my word. And <laughs> some states are already doing it. Some counties, we have a county, uh, Broward. Down here is already shut down. They went hundred percent mask. It's again. going, yeah. So birth I mean, pains. That's instantly. all I gotta say. I mean, mm, look how yep, fast things change. It is. I think that the speed of this should be an eye opener that a lot of people were like, Oh well, there's so much that has to happen for the end to come about. You know, and I think the speed of which things are happening in the last year. All those things might happen back to back to back. Just proves how quickly God can bring about yep. the end. Well, He equated this to birth pains and Mm -hmm. the birthing process. If you've been around a birth before, you know, those contractions, they don't stay the same pace. They get closer (laughs) and closer together. closer and closer and faster and faster and and more more intense. intense. So buckle up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think things are going to get even crazier than we could have imagined, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I do. I really do appreciate you guys coming in and talking today and we look forward to having you back. Of course. Thanks for having us, JD. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. So this has been a Veritas Resurgence broadcast, and today on Voice Calling in the Wilderness, we've been talking about current events with Aiden and with uh, Brian and with Grant, and please take a moment and subscribe to our podcast, and don't forget to visit our website or vrbroadcast.org, where you can find more teaching and ask questions of the show and our guests. And if you would, please be patient with us. We are doing a upgrade on our website, and hopefully it'll be in place soon. So right now, I think it's under construction, but uh, we'll have a new one up and running here very quickly. Yes, very quickly. And Also, you can find us on Facebook at A Voice Calling in the Wilderness. And do us a favor, recommend this podcast to your friends and family. Again, thank you for listening, and have a blessed day. Mm-hmm.